I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. And I dropped my son off at camp. Okay, so today uh, was a topic requested by my blog. I'm going to talk all about the Phyrexians. So I consider the Phyrexians to be like the iconic magic villain. You know, if you, if you look at like, uh, you know, Batman's iconic villain is the Joker and Superman's is Lex Luthor. I believe that magic's iconic villain is the Phyrexians. Um, there are other villains. I'm not saying it's the only villains, but uh, um, here's why. A, the Phyrexians have really been part of the magic story from the very beginning. We'll talk about that today, um, all the way to modern day. And in some ways, I think what the Phyrexians are represent the ideal for what magic is as a storytelling medium. One of the things to remember is we have to tell our game through, we have to tell our, sorry, our story through our game. That's our main, that's our main thrust of what we are. We are a trading card game. Uh, and yeah, we have short stories and we've had novels and it's not that our story is always told through the game, but that's the core of the story. We have to be able to communicate the story through the game. And what that means is one of the things that magic is not particularly good at is it is hard to tell plot. And the reason is we don't control what cards people see, nor do we have any control of the order they see. We, we, have, we have stuff like rarity that can help us a little bit. But the idea is if a plot is told on a singular card, it's hard to know when people see that. But the thing we're really good at is showing environment, of showing sort of a whole sequence of look at this world and all the elements of this world. And so one of the reasons that the Frexons, I think, have worked so well is... Uh, a couple things. One is that they're environmental. That when the Phyrexians invade something, it's not just like there's one or two Phyrexian cards. They invade and slowly change over what is there. Um, I guess let me bounce back a little second. Let me explain who the Phyrexians are for those who don't know. The Phyrexians are uh, an alien race um, that basically lives for one purpose, and that is to spread. Um, sort of metaphorically, they are a disease. Um, there, there's a trope that, that's used in storytelling called the plague, uh, which is uh, usually they're bad guys. And what happens is they spread, but they spread in such a way that they slowly take over you. Um, a good example of this would be the Borg from Star Trek, the White Walkers from Game of Thrones, the zombies from anywhere, but like Walking Dead, um, the Body Snatchers from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The idea is... They spread, and, and your strengths become their strengths, because as they defeat you, you become them, which is really scary, right? The idea that you're facing an enemy, that to fall to the enemy is to become the enemy. Like, death isn't even the worst thing. You know, the idea is that if I'm fighting this enemy, that if I get killed, that I could become the very enemy and then kill my loved ones because I become part of the enemy. It's very scary. And so the Phyrexians have this very sort of... They want to grow and they want to improve. And, you know, the idea is they take things over because they feel like by taking other things over, they can better themselves and they can keep improving. So one of the neat things about the Phyrexians is they're constantly adapting. Well, we have a game that's all about adaptation and all about sort of going to new worlds. Well, the Phyrexians go to new worlds and they adapt and they change. So one of the neat things about the Phyrexians is they can look very different in different places. We definitely, well, there's a sort of a definitive sort of quality of the Phyrexians. They have the ability to look a lot of different ways. And so wherever they go, they get to adapt to the place they are. Well, that's really good. They're environmental. That's what magic is. They're adaptive. That's what magic is, you know, and they're... 
they're a threat to the entire multiverse. I mean, that's one of the things that makes them a really potent enemy. Because it's not just like, you know, if you have a singular person with a singular goal, they can do stuff, but the Frexians are kind of like, if you can't stop the Frexians, the entire multiverse falls to the Frexians. Um, now, they do have one important Achilles heel. They have one weakness, which is really important, which is they can't planeswalk. And if they, they can't... Uh, I think if they take over something that has a spark, it keeps that thing from being able to planeswalk. So if they ever complete a planeswalker, well, I think the spark makes it hard to complete a planeswalker. But if they do, uh, it keeps them from being able to walk. They can't, they have this problem of they can't planeswalk. And so they need, they can't easily spread. And that's the thing. Once they're in a world, well, they can take over the world and infect it and world's in trouble once they're there. But they're kind of, they have trouble getting to new worlds. Um, we'll talk about today. There's a period of time where they had a little more easier time to get in new worlds, but uh, right now, um, since the mending, they, they have a real, real hard time. Um, the, the mending sort of broke down most portals, and so the real only way to get from place to place, with a few exceptions, is planeswalking, and they can't planeswalk. Um, but anyway, so they are this like, kind of creepy sort of villain that Magic made, um, and so I, I think they're the ideal villain. So let's go back. Let's, let's talk about who the Frexines are. I'm going to talk about sort of both their story, but also through the card sets. Um, since, since this is a magic design blog, I'm going to sort of tell you the story, but through the vantage point of the cards. Okay, so magic came out in Alpha, and Alpha really didn't have much of a story. It had some names, some proper names. Urza and Mishra were there. Um, Lanawar, Benalia. I mean, there were places and people, but it was all sort of just elements, but no story per se. Arabian Nights was the first expansion. It kind of told the story, but it didn't tell a magic story. It just really took the 1001 Arabian Nights. It was kind of telling that story through the cards. But Antiquities, which was the second expansion, was really the first chance to tell a magic story. And what they did is they wanted to tell a story through the means of, imagine you're digging up these artifacts of the past, these, these antiquities, and you are learning about something that happened in the past. And that something was the Brothers' War, which was the first big story of magic. So the brothers were, of course, Urza and Mishra. And the idea was in Antiquities, as you... Um, so all the cards in Antiquities, with the exception of the lands, which produce colorless mana that can be used to cast artifacts, every single card in the set referenced artifacts. Um, I mean, in, in the rules text, reference artifacts. Either they were an artifact, or they somehow interacted with artifacts. Every card saved the lands. Um, and so as you were sort of digging through and looking at all these artifacts and artifact-related cards, they were telling a story. They were hinting at a story about the Brothers' War. And the Brothers' War, you know, you learned, um, you learned a bunch about the bubble. We'll get, we'll get to that in one second. So let me bunch back a little bit. So let me tell some backstory. Um, so Phyrexia, the plane, when it started, was a lot like Mirrodin, I believe, that it was an artificial plane, um... And there was these Phyrexian organisms there, what we call the oil. Um, that the Phyrexia at its core is this dark oil that, in, that when things touch it, it slowly invades them. And so what happened was uh, before the current civilization on Dominaria, uh, and Dominaria is the plane where the Brothers' War takes place, where a lot of the story today, I'm going to tell you, takes place. It was Magic's main home for many, many years. Um, most of the sets for the first, like, eight, nine years of Magic, m most of them took place on Dominaria. Not all, but most of them. Okay, so what happened is um, there was a, a group called the Thran, 
And the Thran, um, among the Thran was a man named Yogmoth, who had some ideas of how to make things better. And he would um, make use of something called, uh, I pronounce it, Tysis. Um, and he was sort of improving people, but he was doing it by using technology, using, um, and the Thran thought that was wrong and they kicked him out. They kicked him and his experiments out. Uh, and so there's a planeswalker named Dyfed, because Yogmoth wasn't actually a planeswalker, took him to Phyrexia. This, this is back in the old days uh, when the planeswalkers were more powerful. And back then, planeswalkers could just bring people with them. That's no longer true. Po- po- in the post-mending world, that's no longer true. Uh, planeswalkers can, um, can't bring non-planeswalkers uh, with them. They can't carry them with them. Um, so anyway, Dyfed took uh, Yogmoth to Phyrexia. Yogmoth interacts with this oil. Um, and the oil, once again, it latches on and it learns from things. And Yogmoth really realized that his desire to create things, uh, I think he called it phyresis, to um, replace flesh with metal, sort of reinforce some of the Frexian oil, like the combination of the Frexian oil and the Frexian organisms along with Yogmoth and sort of his drive. His drive was so strong that they, it sort of, he, it warped, it warped the Frexian organisms to his way of thinking. Um, and as Yogmoth got completed by the oil, he started making use of it. And he used it to complete the other Thran that had come with them. And slowly they became what we now know as the Phyrexians. Um, now, he had been kicked off of Dominaria by the Thran, so he was not so happy. So Fr- uh, Yogmoth decided that his plan was he was going to go back to Dominaria and destroy Dominaria. The problem was... Um, there once upon a time was a portal that linked Dominaria to Phyrexia. Uh, and the portal was through a place called the Cave of Koilos. Um, but there was a planeswalker. Um, what was the planeswalker's name? Uh, was named Glacian. So Glacian um, and had a wife named Rebek. And Rebek had these two power stones, two halves of a power stone, and Glacian um, merged them together to sort of make a stop to close the portal in the cave of Koilos. And so um, Yogmoth and all the Frexians were trapped on Frexia with no way out. The only way they had out, Dyfed had left, the only way they had out is through this one portal, and it had been shut off. And so they were trapped. But Yogmoth was a patient man, and so they planned and they plotted. Okay, now we get to Urza and Mishra. So Urza and Mishra were young archaeologists. Um, they, uh, their mentor was a man named Tokasha, and they were really into digging up things and finding old items, the, the antiquities of the world. So the Thran had died out sort of mysteriously. No one quite knows why the Thran died out, but there were a lot of Thran artifacts sort of buried in the, in the world of Dominaria. And... Um, Following the lead of Takashia, both uh, Urza and Mishra start exploring and, and digging up these things. Well, one day, the two brothers go to the Cave of Koilos, and there they find the Power Stone, or two Power Stone halves merged together. And they end up taking it and breaking it apart, each taking half. But in doing so, they accidentally reopen the portal to Dominaria. I'm sorry, from Dominaria to Frexia. Um, and then what happens is the Frexians get out and they manage to find Mishra. They end up completing Mishra and they, they give him um, Frexian weapons to fight with. And there's a giant fight between Urza and Mishra, uh, which is the brother's war. Um, but, but the Frexians really are sort of trying, 
they decide to back the horse of Mishra, and they sort of infect Mishra, and the complete is when you become fully Phyrexian. Uh, C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T. I've heard talk about things being complete spelled that way. That That is sort of becoming fully Phyrexian. Um, and so Mishra and Urza have a mighty, mighty war. But we'll get back there. Okay, so in the card set... Uh, uh, from Antiquities, we get to see about the Brothers' War. We get to meet the Phyrexians for the first time. Um, now, note, there's not a lot of Phyrexian cards. There's not a lot going on there. Um, but we we get enough to get a sense of who they are. In fact, they, they t- I think the idea they tainted Mishra is hinted at in the cards. Um, so it turns out the end of the Brothers' War, uh, Mishra is winning with the help of the Phyrexians, but Urza ends up having an ace in the hole, uh, the Golgothian Silex, which is the thing that blows up all the Antiquities cards, actually helps win the battle and destroys, destroys all of Argoth, but wins the battle for Urza and stops Mishra and the Phyrexians. Um, and the, the point, though, is that the whole fight ends with, with Urza very uh, anti-Phyrexian, if you will. Okay, so we have uh, Antiquities. It shows off the first time. He's learned about the Brothers' War. We meet the Phyrexians, not on a lot of cards, but we meet the Phyrexians for the first time. Okay, so now we flash forward. Um, so the next thing, next time we meet the Phyrexians is in Tempest. So Tempest is the Weatherlight Saga. So Gerard and company have traveled to the Plain of Wrath to um, rescue Sisse from the Avancar Volrath, who secretly is uh, Vul, uh, the half-brother, or I'm sorry, not half-brother, but uh, um, adopted stepbrother to, or adopted brother, adopted brother to Gerard. Um, uh, Kondo's um, son. Uh, Kondo was uh, Gerard's adopted father and his natural son, uh, Volrath. The two of them grew up brothers, but as often the case in, in literature, two brothers would become enemies. Anyway, um, Gerard, while he's rescuing Sisse, they're in the stronghold, they see the invasion plans, which is a card in Stronghold, I believe, which, and they realize that the Phyrexians are planning to invade Dominaria. So what's going on here is the Phyrexians... Um, had there's lots of plans they had to try to defeat Dominaria. I'll talk about some of them in a second. Uh, magic stories don't go in chronological order, which makes telling the story a little... I'm trying to tell you via the card sets, not via the order of the story, to sort of walk through how magic, how the magic players learned the story. Um, so we learned that the, the entire plan of Wrath uh, used this material called Flowstone uh, to make this artificial plane. And the idea was this plane was slowly sucking things in around it, uh, and then when it got big enough, it was going to overlay on Dominaria. It was a very clever way to attack Dominaria by making an alternate plane, an artificial plane, filling it with all your forces, and then that's how you get the forces into the new place is by creating this overlay where Rathi and Dominaria become one. Um, so they discover this. Uh, we'll get to a second. We'll get to a second. Um, uh, the actual overlay happens in a bit. We'll, we'll be there in a second. So we're in Tempest, and so we realize, oh no, the Phyrexians are going to invade. The, the Gerard finds that out. Oh my God, the Phyrexians are going to invade. Um, okay, so now we go to Urza Saga. That's the next block. Urza Saga is a prequel. Now Urza Saga is going to say, let's... Now we discover that Urza had a hand in this and, and that the, the Phyrexians being the great threat was something Urza was aware of. So uh, Urza Saga starts at the end of the Brothers' War. He blows up Argoth. Uh, and um, he, he later becomes... I think, I think the act of winning the war is what gets his spark, but he gets his spark, becomes a planeswalker, and Urza, um, I think he ends up being banished from Dominaria for a while. 
Oh, but, but before that happened, sorry. Um, so what we learn is the Phyrexians are there and um, he, for the, he learns of them for the first time. And then he gets a spark. And then I think he is banished from Dominaria for a while. And he ends up befriending someone named Xantia, who was a sleeper agent of the, of the Phyrexians. So what a sleeper agent is, is the Phyrexians found this technology where they made people on the outside not look like Phyrexians, but inside a Phyrexian. So sort of they found another way to adapt and, and hide. Uh, but Xantia ends up turning on the Phyrexians and helping Gerard. And we learn all about what is going on. Um, when the cave of Koilos got, uh, the portal got reopened, uh, Yagma sent through someone named Gix, who was the one that I think helped infect Mishra. And so um, basically the plan is to understand the Phyrexians and try to stop the Phyrexians. Meanwhile, during Urza's... Oh, so during Urza's saga, I think what happens is he's locked out of Dominaria. He and Zancho are traveling around. They get chased by the Frexians a bit. They eventually take the fight to the Frexians, and Gerard gets his... Not Gerard, sorry. Urza. Urza and uh, Zancho go around the multiverse. Urza gets his butt handed to by the Frexians, get majorly beat up. Um... And we see in Urza's saga him trying to fight with the Phyrexians. And there's a bunch of Phyrexian cards. He loses. He, in fact, barely makes it out alive. Uh, he gets back to his home. He tries to recoup. Um, and he plans. He goes to his Talarian Academy. And his idea is he needs to find a solution to the Phyrexians. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to him, they have found a way to attack him. Um, and they're attacking the Talarian Academy. Uh, there's a giant accident. I don't know... If, if the Phyrexians were involved in what caused the accident or Gerard's own hubris causes the accident, but there's this temporal accident and it creates these time bubbles. Uh, this is a really cool... So, Jeff Grubb wrote a novel called um, The Brothers' War and then there's another novel... What the other novel? King, a guy named King, I believe, called Time Streams, which, which is a really good novel about this story where the Phyrexians attack. So there's an accident. All the different things are trapped in a time bubble. Teferi, a young Teferi, is trapped in a slow time bubble where he, his, I think he got caught on fire in the explosion from the, the event, and they see him, but he's trapped in slow time bubble, so they, they have to put a blanket on him to save him, but like it takes years for that blanket to fall down and smother the flames. But meanwhile, the Phyrexians that had been attacking secretly were caught in a fast time bubble, and so they're evolving super fast. And, and anyway, they managed, uh, they managed to, to hold them at bay, but Urza realizes that the Phyrexians are a major, major problem. So he sets out for this master plan to ultimately, for once and all, defeat the Phyrexians. And it involves creating a series, a giant weapon uh, called the Legacy Weapon that's broken about its component pieces that are all individual artifacts. Um, he sort of figures out bloodlines because he wants to find the right savior and ends up being Gerard. But anyway, all the pieces for the Weatherlight Saga, you find that behind the scenes that the, the Legacy and Gerard and, all, and, and Karn, uh, Urza created Karn, you find out. And all these things that you didn't know behind it were this master plan to stop the Phyrexians. Okay, now we get to Mercadian Masks. And what happens is we discover that underneath the city, that the Mercadia is this kind of um, uh, city world uh, that's very uh, mercantile and stuff. And beneath it, we, it, it's the staging ground for the Phyrexians, that they've been there and they're, they're planning their thing and they're getting into wrath and they're going to overlay. And then comes Invasion! Where there's, in fact, an invasion, a Frexian invasion of Dominaria, when the Frexian plan finally comes to tuition. And there's a giant fight between all the different factors that go on. 
and um, Urza puts together the nine titans and they have to attack Phyrexia and Gerard and the coalition fight the Phyrexians on Dominaria uh, and in the end there is a giant fight between Gerard and Urza because um, Hannah's been killed and by the Phyrexians and um, they manage to take over Talarian Academy but Baron in his grief destroys everything um, and manages to stop them uh, but the, the Phyrexians promise Gerard that he can have Hannah back, so Gerard ends up fighting Urza and beheading Urza, because Urza's Yagmas managed to strip away uh, the um, planeswalker Nis from Urza, and they fight, and then, um, anyway, in the end, the, the legacy weapon gets put together, and the legacy weapon is, is able to kill Yagmoth and defeat the Phyrexians once and for all. And there they are defeated. And that's the last we saw of them was Invasion. But, not the last we saw of them. Um, so what happens is Karn, who'd become a planeswalker of his own, manages to travel to Phyrexia, gets some of the Phyrexian oil on him, uh, creates his own plane, which he originally called Argentum, I believe, but you guys know it as Mirrodin. Um, uh, Memnarch gets created to oversee it. And then what happens is when the mending happens and Gerard loses his spark... Um, there's oil, the... Anyway, he had tainted Mirrodin, um, and then it gets worse once once he loses his spark. Although it got tainted before he lost his spark. Anyway, in original um, Mirrodin, uh, Brady, Brady Donneth, who's the creative director at the time, really liked the idea of figuring a way to bring back the Frexians, their iconic magic villain. So he loved the idea that Karn, through, through some carelessness, tracked some Phyrexian oil from Phyrexia into his new artificial plane. And just like original Phyrexia was kind of like a metal, artificial metal plane, so too is Mirrodin, which is just a, a perfect place for the, for the oil to grow. And, and So what happens is we gave some clues during Mirrodin the Phyrexians were there, but very subtle clues. Although if you actually read like the Mirrodin novel, like the very first thing that happens is Memnarch like finds some oil and rubs it in his fingers and it disappears. And like, oh, well, what's that? Never mind, let's move on. Uh, but you're just watching him get infected and completed. Um, so what happens is Phyrexia slowly takes over. I'm sorry. Yeah, Phyrexia slowly takes over Mirrodin. So we come back in Scars of Mirrodin. Um, and we're seeing, when we first pick up in Scars of Mirrodin, uh, the Phyrexians are still only about, like, they're like 20% of the set, but we introduced new concepts. And one of the things we did when we designed uh, Scars of Mirrodin was I wanted to capture the essence of, the, of what the Phyrexians were. And I believe the four words is they were toxic, they were relentless, they were viral, and they were adaptive. Those were our four words. And so we ended up making in fact, and we made um, uh, proliferate, and we really, we really played in an idea of them as a disease, that they're slowly infecting things. You know, that they both infected and they proliferated what they did like a disease. Um, we, we brought in poison back and sort of connected poison to the Phyrexians, saying that, they're, 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 you know, they're to toxic is one of our four words. Um, and so basically we, we reintroduced the Phyrexians. But uh, one of the things we wanted to do in reintroducing them was we wanted to sort of clean up some things. So one of the things when you first saw the Phyrexians and all the previous times, when you saw them in Antiquities, when you saw them in Urza's Saga, when you saw them in um, Invasion, they were always artifact and or black. Um, and one of the things we wanted is, look, if they're going to be our iconic villains, let's spread them out a little more. They're adaptive. That's the whole nature of it. And so the idea is, since we are starting over, you know, a lot of what people know as the original Phyrexians was kind of the Yogg-Moth-influenced Phyrexians. 
Well, let's take the, the Frexian oil, go back to the basics, and see what happens when it intermingles with a whole new world. And since they're no longer through the lens of, of Yawgmoth, they invade everything. Now, if you look at original Mirrodin or Scars of Mirrodin, they start in places that make a natural sense. Since they had sort of the disease feel, they started in black and green, but you watch them spread. They spread to blue, and they spread to white, and even to red, which is the most resistant to them. They spread, and so what happened was we got a chance to see in new Phyrexia. So essentially what happens is we wanted to use the block to sort of reintroduce them as villains, and we set up this dynamic where there's a war between Phyrexia and the Mirrens, and Phyrexia wins that Mirrodin turns into new Phyrexia. And not only that, we see Phyrexia get exposed through all the colors. And so now there is a Phyrexian, there's a leader of each of the colors, and there's actually sort of a little bit of a, a conflict on Phyrexia, a new Phyrexia now, because each of the um, different Phyrexians have invaded a different color, and so they each have a very different outlook on what it is to be a Phyrexian and what their job is. All of them want to spread. That's what Phyrexians do. But now we have the Praetors of the five different colors. And each color has their own agenda of how what they think the right way to spread the Phyrexian uh, ideal is. And so, um, and last we left them, what happened was they, remember, they don't have the ability to planeswalk. They got brought to this plane by Karn accidentally, but they have no means to get off the plane. And so right now, they've, sort of, they've taken over Mirrodin, and there's all these Praetors, and they have all these desires, and they would love to infect the whole multiverse, but, but, they can't get off New Phyrexia. So that's where we left the story. Um, uh, have we seen the last of the Phyrexians? I don't think we've seen. They're an iconic magic villain. It's like, have you seen the last of the Joker? Uh, you probably have not seen the last of the Joker in, in Batman. So I don't think you've seen the last of the Frexians. Um, and we, we, the other thing is we sort of... Um, the, the original Frexians were very much Yawgmoth Frexians. These are Frexians through the Praetors. And like I said, there's five different takes on them. And you get to see them through all the different colors. So I really think there's kind of a neat sort of retake on the Phyrexians. Um, once again, they're adaptive and relentless and toxic and viral. They, they are the perfect magic villains. They really are. Um, and there is hints that there's other stuff going on. Um, one of the threads, for example, is if you go back and look at Elspeth's story, Elspeth came from a world that we don't know what we don't, we never said what plane she comes from. But the plane that she came from was invaded by the Phyrexians. We know the Phyrexians were there. She had previously had interaction with the Phyrexians. And that's not Phyrexia. She didn't grow up in Phyrexia. So there's also some hints that the Phyrexians in the early days with the Phyrexian portals, while they didn't get everywhere, you know, the whole, the whole multiverse hasn't fallen or anything, they have managed to get beyond just Phyrexia. There's some other places that we've kind of hinted they are at, and, you know, we don't exactly know. So the Phyrexians are a, a, a big major threat and something that uh, will have to be dealt with one of these days. Um, but anyway, the goal of today was, uh, oh, here's the last thing to talk about, is one of the things that we did all along the way was try to give the Frexian a feel. Um, and I know in the early days, there definitely was a lot of, like, Frexians killing things or minus X minus Xing things or reanimating things. And a lot of that came from, it was, they were in black, so they did a lot of black things. Um, I think in Scars of Mirrodin, one of the things we really were working on is playing up this idea of this disease metaphor, of, this, of them infecting and spreading, and why we created... We, we had them use minus one, minus one counters, and obviously did infect and poison. And we did a lot with sort of them, them spreading, and that was a big thing we tried to do. And so um, I was really happy with how Proliferate came up. Proliferate really gave them a feel that's a little bit different from 
other things, but it still had that disease feel to it. Um, but anyway, the mostly what I want to talk about today is just the the. I don't know if everyone knows the Phyrexians. I mean, the Phyrexians haven't been around since New Phyrexia, for example. Uh, and wow, New Phyrexia was a little while ago. Um, but they really are a, a key element of magic. I mean, they were part of the Brothers' War, which is an iconic story of magic. They were part of the Weatherlight Saga, which is another iconic story of magic, including the Phyrexian invasion. They were part of the you know, Scarves of Mirrodin story, so they, they, they've really been involved in post-mending stories. So they are a major player in the magic stories. And uh, like I said, I, I find the Phyrexians to be a, a really neat villain and that they play so well in how magic is, is created. And so um, you have not seen The Last of the Phyrexians. And that, today, is my sort of little rundown to give you guys a sense of um, who exactly the Phyrexians are and how they have been portrayed in magic. So, they've been, let's see, they've been in a whole bunch of sets. They've been, they were in Antiquities. We hinted at them in Tempest. We showed them a little bit in, we showed them a lot in Urza Saga. You saw them a little bit in Mercadian Masks. You saw them a lot in Invasion. And then you saw them again in Scars of Mirrodin. Um... And I think there's been little drips and drabs, a little tiny pint in supplemental products and stuff, hinting at them and stuff. But, but anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the Frexins as much as I do, as much as I enjoy talking about them. Because they are mighty fun and mighty cool. Um, and uh, they are also something that's very iconically magic. Um, we do a lot of things where we sort of borrow from other places and other things. And that's cool and that's awesome. And I, I like all our influences from you know the world that, around us and all the resonance. But it's kind of neat to have a villain that really feels sort of a magic villain. That you're not seeing them somewhere else. These are a very magic-y thing. So I think it's really cool. But anyway, I am in my parking space. So we all know what that means. It means the end of my drive to work. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So guys, hope you all enjoyed the Phyrexians. And uh, like I said, uh, might not see the last of them. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys soon, and uh, good night, uh, goodbye for now. Ciao.